Hello and welcome to Meet Me in Tennessee. I'm your host, Allie, and this podcast is sponsored by the Northeast Tennessee Tourism Association. You can find us online at northeasttennessee.org and on all social media. And today we are sitting down with Carly Lester. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Um, Mr. Lester has previously sat on the board of directors of the Friends of Rocky Fork State Park, as well as teaching education at the high school level for 15 years. 15 years. 15 years. Um, So let's dive right in. Okay. Teaching high school for 15 years. What kind of subjects would you teach? Well, I was an agriculture teacher, so primarily I taught horticulture, which is where I met you, and environment and natural resources. Yes, I was in uh, Mr. Lester's greenhouse management course. Yeah. Very informative. Yeah, good. Yeah. I enjoyed having you. Daniel Boone, so what's the, the ag program? How is that connected with the state? With the state? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a curriculum. Agriculture is a curriculum within the state that, you know, I don't know the number of high schools that have an ag curriculum. All these in the area here do, I guess, just about without exception. Even Science Hill in the city, David Crockett, Danny Boone, Thomas Bennett, Unicoi, Hampton. And do you think that's important, getting these kids um, educated at that level on agriculture and in these kind of hands-on programs? I think it is important. And I think one of the good things about ag education is FFA, which is a, is not just farmers anymore. It's a leadership type of thing, which is why the name changed from Future Farmers of America to FFA. And so it's a leadership skills. And I think we just we teach people to be better people and to be leaders, to be able to speak in front of groups of people. And I mean, there's all kinds of opportunities for, for instance, a forestry contest is this Friday, actually. I'm going to go help Daniel Boone uh, tomorrow afternoon with some tree measurements and stuff. So Awesome. I still volunteer there a little bit. It's well, hard to get away from it when you do it for 15 years. Absolutely. Um, I just think, thinking of agriculture in terms of tourism, we often say agritourism, um, and just kind of educating the public on how important farming still is. You know, agritourism's just grown leaps and bounds, I guess, just in the last not many years. And you've gone from everything from corn mazes and pumpkin patches to, you know, full-blown tours of farm tours and like they have up here, and yeah. ARCND puts that on. In the have you gone on any of those? I always think no, like I've not ever made one, but I do. I do want to go. To we'll one. put that on the bucket list. Yeah, that's on the bucket list. Um, well, cool. And and thinking of education, can you tell us a little bit about your experience volunteering with Rocky Fork State Park on that board? Well, yes. Um, so Rocky Fork is the fifty seventh state park in Tennessee. So there's lots of state park opportunities from, you know, West Tennessee all the way to, I guess it's about this or Rome Mountain, Rocky Fork or Rome Mountain would be the most eastern ones. And up until recently it was the newest, correct, but I believe uh, a new park in Cumberland or Squatchie. Oh, really? Has, so there's, it was the newest up until recently. So it may not be, the, it may be the 56th. I may be wrong on my number. Okay. I think there's a total of 57. But at any rate, um, I took students there as kind of how I initially became involved probably before it was a part, probably around 2009 or 10, we started taking field trips down there to the, what became the, what became the state park. And um, when it was designated a state park, I think around, I might be wrong too, 2015-ish, um, a group of 
interested, not necessarily concerned or interested individuals kind of got together and started meeting and eventually that became the Friends of Rocky Fork State Park. And my name's on the charter, which I'm kind of proud that it's kind of like signing the Declaration of Independence yeah. or, but it's not. But so then I served um, for after the initial um, interim board, then when we formally elected a board, I served three two-year terms, so six years. And so during six that time, you served. six years on the board. And during that time, you know, a lot of things happened in the park. A lot of, um, I don't want to say development because it's still a very wilderness park. There's not much development, which is one thing I do kind of like about it. Yeah, me too. It's mostly wilderness. But, you know, we have handicap access and we've done a little infrastructure. There's backcountry camping and there's um, an interpretive area with a nice fire pit that uh, Ranger Ferris and some other uh, volunteers helped with. And volunteers do trail maintenance and all kinds of um, things that the fireflies, the synchronous fireflies and the blue ghost yes, fireflies. Yes, tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, they thought, I guess at one point they were only really in the Smokies and in Chile or something like that. And then they've been able, they've been discovered other places. And it's really, if you've never, it's a lottery because you can't, you know, they're pretty fragile and you can't just let people willy nilly come and go. Sure. We want to be mindful of disturbing those ecosystems. Right. So there's a limited number of people that can go do it. And uh, I was going to volunteer special. for that because it is very cool. And if any, if any of your listeners or watchers ever get an opportunity to, to enter the lottery and to try to go see it. It's it's local and it's really incredible. And that's something they could just do right through the state park website. Yes, state park okay. website. And there's so many. I don't want to jump the gun. There's so many opportunities on state park websites too that. I'm sure. For educational opportunities and. You can just go to state parks, TennesseeStateParks.com, I think, and go. There's actually a thing you can find a park. You can click on like an A to Z map and all the parks in the state come up on a map and you click on one and if you go over, um, it's down on the left margin that says upcoming events. And then there's a whole calendar of um, some educational opportunities, some just fun opportunities. Awesome. And you said that was TN State Parks? TNStateParks.com. Okay. You heard that out there. Um, if you're interested to go explore that further for educational opportunities, events, and I'm assuming maybe volunteer opportunities? Volunteer opportunities are more posted on, I think, more with friends because okay. that's kind of that leg of the of state parks um, kind of runs through friends groups okay. like Friends of Rocky Fork State Park. There's not all, but a lot of state parks have friends organizations. I'm sure. We'll circle back on that toward the end okay. of the episode for okay. um, how folks can get involved. Um, so thinking about the state park over the six-year period, how did you witness the visitor impact from the opening of the park? If you build it, they will come, you know, from a movie. I think, um, you know, it started as, um, well, the original, it was going to be probably developed into a condo or cabin rental type of thing, maybe. And then um, when it became designated state park, there were around 18, 1900 acres of this huge tract, which comprised of nearly 10,000 acres, mostly in Unicoi County. I think it flopped over into green a little bit. And so it was designated in different ways. And the final nearly 2000 acres then became what was then Rocky Fork State Park and now Lamar Alexander 
Rocky Fork State Park. The name changed and got a lot longer. But, um, you know, just with um, once it became a state park and a parking lot was built, there was not much place to park prior. Sure. And it's packed full a lot of times. It's a beautiful place, and a lot of people visit from all over, um, from I guess Western North Carolina to all over all over Tennessee and other surrounding states. A really popular thing that really promotes the park is in April the the Fiddlers Convention, Fiddlers Flag Convention. Pond School, which is kind of right. put on by the park, and it is a really a fun thing. If again, if anybody would like to go check that out, right. there's a lot of cool things going on at this park. Fiddlers Convention, the the fireflies, and what about the fishing? Well, the fishing, the uh, Rocky Fork Creek, which has been said to be the cleanest water in the Nolichucky River watershed, um, ho or supports uh, native brook trout. They don't stock trout in the park. Below the park, TWRA stocks rainbows. Okay. But in the park, you're in a native fishery, which is really neat. You know, brook trout. They don't get real big there, but they're they're plentiful, and it's a lot of fun to fly fish for them. So you know, it's it's cool to have a native fishery. Yeah. You know, in in the neighborhood too. That's in this almost wilderness like area. Um, so if you're out there backcountry camping or anything of that nature, permits are required. Permits are required, and reservation systems on the on the web, Rocky Fork State Park website. Okay. And there are, f I'm going to say, five backcountry campsites that are all I mean I visited every one of them and they're all just there it's lovely right you're truly immersed in nature I mean you, you can't are. hear traffic or anything no city bustle there it's actually uh, there's a section that's designated a what is that dark area thing dark area or dark skies dark sky area whatever it is yeah there's a place there's designated as a dark sky it's area here. so yeah that's fairly that's within the last year or so probably oh, cool. which is really neat if yeah. you like stargazing and and just the the different skill levels of hikes. Um, is it White House Cliffs trails? That the correct one. Beautiful mm -hmm. views. Up yeah, there. beautiful views up there. And lots of wildlife. Um, lots of wildlife. Yep. Yeah, tons rattlesnakes. Of... I'm just gonna throw it out there because that's the I've seen them out there. I've seen many With rattlesnakes. You, actually, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Bears. Um, just you know, there's just a lot of stuff. Lots of birding. Birding. Uh, mm -hmm. Yep. And then within the streams, they actually do snorkeling programs too in the streams, looking at aquatic life and they're led that a ranger or a seasonal Ooh, ranger. Can, can we talk about um, some of the types of birds and trees in that area? Oh gosh. Well, that, you're, you're kind of a tree wizard. It was, I don't know about that. It was logged um, many years ago. And so everything there is regrowth. Of course, there's heavy population hemlocks, which are in trouble. Okay. Are they invasive? From the hemlock willow delgid, yes, from an invasive species, and okay. they've done some efforts to uh, control those through. There's an insecticide injection, and there's also a beneficial insect that feeds on willow delgid. So they've made some attempts to put those in, which has helped, I think, some. And then the usual oaks, poplars, um, locusts. I don't know. There's just a variety of trees. There's a lot of native wildflowers and i couldn't even begin to name all those i'm no expert on that either but lots of mushrooms last time we went, went up there just all kinds of different mushrooms popping yeah. up and they do fall and spring both wildflower hikes too when when those start popping in the spring and then you know there's another set in the fall so 
What about what about birds? What are some birds you've oh. seen up that way? Any stand out? Pileated woodpeckers, lots of woodpeckers and juncos and small birds, big birds, go finches, all kind of finches. And it's there's like a Dr. A lot of Seuss birds. book. Small birds, big birds. Big birds, yeah. <laughs> Toilet birds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're thinking about like oh, all this beautiful space up there and it's wild and it's protected. And like you said, it, it could have been condos or or developed in some capacity. Um, so when we're thinking about promoting our state parks to visitors, I just think it's so important that we we parallel conservation efforts and we educate the public. Um, so what are some some good practices for folks to take into mind when they visit our state parks? If you pack it in, bring it out. Dogs are, I mean, I hike with my dog, you hike with your dogs. Dogs are very popular. Um, clean up after them. And then when you clean up after them, don't leave it in a bag in the fork the of a trail. tree. Bring it. I know it's, you know, it's part of the cost of taking along your tag-along friend. Right. You know, bring it out. Not these heavy populated areas, folks. There are typically trash cans right at the, the park sites or at the trailheads. There are. And one of the things that really, I mean, a pet peeve is um, I see frequently, way back in the backcountry, cigarette butts. You know, they don't go away. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm not pro or con smoking, but bring your cigarette butts out with you. They stay, right. they they linger for years. And pack it in, pack it out. Pack That's it in, best. pack it out. Just like normal. Leave no trace, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, stay on the trail. That's a biggie. Yeah. Um, they do trail maintenance to keep those, you know, open and, and inviting for people to walk on the trails. Don't go way off trail. And there's trails being developed all the time. There's a potential link. On the very back side of the park in Blockstan uh, Creek, there's going to be a link to the Appalachian Trail. There's already a link at Flint no. Mountain to the Appalachian Trail. It's one of the, probably the only park in, the only state park in Tennessee that has um, access from the park to the Appalachian Trail. Do so you know off the top go. of your head that mileage? I'm just curious. From? From like, the, the park to the AT? Um, well, on Flint Creek, I'd say that's about... Um, Six miles, six-ish miles, That's pretty maybe special. seven. It's uphill, you know, uphill yeah. both ways. It's uphill one way, but, um, yeah, it is pretty special. And then your new link will probably be, it'll be a little bit further uh, from the from the parking lot to the, the new connection. Cool. But it's on an old, ra- you know, it's on an old railroad bed that was used for logging. Our rails to trails. Yeah, I sort love of. seeing those repairs. It's like an upcycling of old trails. Absolutely. Um, but but thinking back to that importance of why people should stay on the trail, um, why is that um, well, disturbing ecosystems? And sure, habitats? disturbing ecosystems, trampling on on lots of neat native plants, you know, and um, just generally, you know, people swing from tree limbs and break them, and that sets up an opportunity for disease in trees and all kinds of all kind of things like that. So it's just you know. There's lots of beauty on the trail, and even just going, if you just want to go for a Sunday walk at Rocky Fork, I know we're talking a lot about Rocky Fork. I hope that the other parks don't get mad. But, I mean, just going for a Sunday walk, you can walk up Rocky Fork Creek for 100 yards or a few miles and just enjoy the beauty of the creek with kids or whatever and sure. not really go into the backcountry. Well, and it's, you probably won't see any rattlesnakes or bears down there either if that's a – Probably not. If you're a snakeophobe or something. So. I, think it's, I think it's good to use Rocky Fork as an example because it is a newer state park. You have experience there, and it's a highly visited park. Um, so 
thinking of conservation and parking, what are some tips you could offer for folks who get to the park and they can't find parking? Or well, there's an expansion. There is an expansion. And this is something we deal with at several state occur. parks. Sure, it is. Um, so if the parking lot's full, there are designated spots, and they've even put those like bumper parking lot yellow stoppers along the road. There are probably a dozen or more uh, additional parking spaces as you come up Rocky Fork Road. Sure. Um, and the, the parking lot holds a great number of cars. Sometimes for events, we run shuttles. Um, the ranger station is not in the park. It's right up on Jenny Moore Road, just, I guess it'd be just south of the park off the old Asheville Highway in old Rock House that's on the corner right there of where you turn off to go to Devil's Fort Gap. And so sometimes we run shuttles from there, and there's sometimes programs up there too at the okay. at the ranger station and T-shirts and and you get your souvenirs. Got to throw that in. Um, but I, I just think it's such an important conversation that needs to keep uh, recurring as like places like Roan Mountain. We see a lot of traffic up there and people parking down the road like they're at Yellowstone. Roan Mountain is, as sometimes you can even, I mean, I've gone up there and had to turn around and leave because there just wasn't any place to park without really getting off the road and doing sure. and parking in the wrong place. And we think of uh, back in the high school day, you remember the hiking club? That was a very oh, brief, yeah. very brief yeah. <laughs> moment. Um, I remember going up there with groups of friends and there wasn't a soul on right. the mountain. Yeah, I remember that too, even. And I'm not a native of here, but. Yeah. So now sharing it, which we're so excited to share our beautiful public lands with folks, but then also, again, just preaching almost conservation and good practice on the trail. Well, I mean, that's really a two-edged sword because when you, you know, I, I love the parks. <clears throat> I love Rocky Fork State Park, obviously. But I also know when, when more people come, the potential for more, you know, um, ecosystem damages and trampling and trash and it is just a name it. Sword. Absolutely. So, you know, while it's nice to share them, if people would just be, you know, conservation-minded about, um, you know, just thinking about the resource and thinking about how, what people can do to just pr protect or to take care of it, you know, when you're there, think Absolutely. about the next people that will come. And Absolutely. And I, I just, like, I applaud you for teaching uh, students that at a fundamental level because I think that's really where it starts. And, and for those who got out of school without learning about conservation, I don't know what that looks like, if it looks like more signage or um, just amplified access on the web. Uh, but I just I, I think how it starts with the conversation and just continuing those conversations. It does. I remember a project I did in environmental science was we, <clears throat> we mapped a watershed and I used a long branch in in Rocky Fork State Park, it, it really begins in Rocky Fork State Park and empties into Rocky Fork Creek. And so we take a topographic map and we kind of look at the high points around, I'm talking with my hands, talk uh, just to um, locate the high points around the ridges where the water drains into Long Branch. And then we do a calculation to figure out how many acres are in that. And it's a little stream that you can step across and there's around 400 or more acres just in that watershed and so everything that happens if you amplify that to the Danny Boone High School parking lot that water all has to go somewhere so every drop of oil every bit of trash that you throw out every cigarette butt yes. potentially can enter plastic whatever can enter those waterways 
And just that little stream has a, there's a 400 acre area that impacts that stream. And so you can blow that up into, you know, the millions of acres in the Mississippi River watershed. I've been able to go to the headwaters of the Mississippi. I went to the headwaters of the Missouri this summer, which is a huge um, watershed that is part of the Mississippi River watershed, the Missouri River. And, and um, just thinking on the, on the big impact of what a little action has to do with the big impact or the big the big picture of those watersheds is is really significant and I think if people would be mindful of that absolutely so thinking of the life of that cigarette but starting at the I mean trail. I know I've if there was a, a video cigarette. you know sure showing people how that affects that waterway with pollutants and I've often said if you know to to take care of or to be a conservationist or to be conservation minded doesn't take huge actions. I've always said if a whole lot of people did a little something, then everything would be a lot better. It doesn't take a monumental task completion to make the change. It's just a lot of people doing something small. You know, that makes a big difference. It and that's what we need. And those words have stuck with me since high school, you saying that. Did I say that when you, you were said that, yeah. That's cool. So I'm just sharing start. sharing those little tidbits here and there, like to a friend or a neighbor. Um, cause it does all start with us and our actions. <clears throat> so I think, I think that's pretty much touched on, uh, the state park. Cause I really just, I can't help but think about Max Patch. If you'll recall, um, especially for us locals here, that really just, it stuck out like when one of our favorite trails within, you know, a day driving, sure. um, was shut down for camping and you're talking right off the Appalachian trail. Just bags and bags of trash from overpopulated visitation, yeah. um, and that's something that we don't want to continue to see. And it, you know, it's it's a global scale too. I mean, you think of the trash. I'm not. It's not a certainly a local thing, but look at Mount Everest and those expeditions up right. there. You know, I mean, it's just impossible to get rid of it. If you take in or take out what you take in, then you know it can make a difference, even Absolutely. a small scale. Um, so do you think conservation is pretty important? Oh yeah, I think it's very important. I would say it's, it's equally as important as, as promoting these lands that we love, um, is promoting conservation alongside them. And then, uh, thinking about getting into the fall season, this is a really, really big time for Tennessee, um, as it's one of the most beautiful oh, yeah. places to see the leaves changing. Um, <clears throat> Appalachian mountains will see record numbers of visitors this year. So what are... You know, you've already said practice uh, just starts with yourself, uh, making a small difference. Um, what are some good tips we could share with our listeners uh, to continue practicing good stewardship as they come and visit our public lands this fall in Northeast Tennessee? I think be patient because there'll be a lot of people. I don't know if you've driven up the Blue Ridge Parkway during this fall season, but it's... I tend to stay away. It's bumper to bumper traffic. Yeah. Be mindful of others, and that means right now and then who's coming next you know and again it's just it's trash and parking in the right places and you know if the designated spot where you want to stop is full go on down the road there's probably an opening somewhere and if you need to maybe you can turn around and come back and somebody's left yeah absolutely so maybe like looking out for that signage and um like mr lester said parking in those designated areas looking for trash bins recycle bins um and then Oh, you just, when you were talking about those waterways, it just, it 
made me think how important it is to still learn map reading as a skill. <laughs> like this is just a tangent I'm going off of now, but, but how important that is that, you know, that's how you are able to see how the water flows down and down into these big watersheds. I think that's a good education tool. Uh, I, I think it is too. And that's, I think it's important enough that that's one reason that we worked on that in, in high school environmental classes. Yeah. And I don't even want to think that that's a lost art. You know? Well, you know, we have access to everything on our phones. You know, I have an app on my phone that's called, um, I don't know what it's called, but you can, you can open this app and just move your phone around and it identifies every mountain that you can see, even if they're in clouds. You can name all these things. So the point is, and there's a compass on there, but the point is we have so much access to so many things now that learning things like reading a paper map and using an actual compass, which doesn't have a battery in it, because when that dies, your compass yeah. doesn't work anymore, I think is important, especially if you spend any time outdoors, whether you're a geek about it, kind of like I am, or whether you just want to go out there and you know, I think it's a, a, a decent skill, and it is sort of, I guess, a lost skill. Maybe, you know, scouting, Boy Scouts, Yeah. you know, do it. And maybe your education program, your high school education program, ROTC has a orienteering, or ROTC program at Daniel Boone has an orienteering section that they do, and there's contests about it too. So even the State Forester Contest, I was mentioning the district one that's coming up, next week but the state forestry contest has a compass and pacing where you do there's about 10 points and you and as far as the contest you it's an individual thing you take a bearing from where you are to the next point and then you pace you have to know how far your stride is and you pace and you write down the bearing and you write down the number of step or the number of feet from point to point to point it's a difficult part of the contest but it's something that you know it's fun to teach and it's fun, and I think it's important to know still. Um, it's crazy because uh, my daughter, I didn't have a, a phone for like a week, and uh, she was introduced to the radio, and she couldn't comprehend that it wasn't like Pandora or Spotify or something. <laughs> you, she was like, turn the song, Mom. And I'm like, you can't turn the song. We're just listening to whatever comes on. Isn't that funny? And there's commercials, just mind-blowing to her. Um, That's funny. I remember the first time my children got in a I had a truck that had rolled down windows, and they couldn't figure out for a minute how you roll the windows. They were young. How do you roll the windows down? I said, you got to roll that thing. And pictures on the all of it. It's just yeah. all. We have so much access to so much stuff now that the actual learning of how to do stuff, you know, was kind of, it seems to become less important. And yeah. that, 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 that I don't like that. I don't either. So we're thankful for educators as yourself. Well, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to switch it up a little bit. Okay. So you're known to have some pretty decent music tastes. We were talking <laughs> a little bit earlier about the Tedusky truck band. Um, what would someone find on your latest playlist? Widespread Panic, Tedusky Trucks, Wood Brothers. Lots, it's a cornucopia of, of things. Miles Davis would be on there. Some jazz. That'd be jazz on Jazz, there. yeah. I've really been into jazz lately with the changing of the seasons. I've read um, Almond Brothers. I just read, um, I've read uh, Greg Almond's book, Not My Cross to Bear, which is an incredible story of the Almond Brothers. I read Miles Davis' uh, biography, which was really good. I'm a big, I'm a trumpet player from way back, so I'm a, obviously a Miles Davis fan. You're a trumpet player? Oh, yeah. 
in high school and at UT cool. for a little bit. Yeah. But then um, I've also read uh, the fish fish book. I'm a fish fan too, a fish head. And um, then I just finished the Creedence Clearwater Revival book. So I've read four kind of music wow. band history You've been books. reading up a storm here lately. I know. <laughs> I enjoy reading. So uh, those are, this is things that interest me, kind of another like geeky thing, I guess. But Any upcoming shows you're excited about? Yeah, the Wood Brothers, October 20th at Savage Station. It's coming Ooh, up. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. They're so fun. Yeah, they are super fun. Um, Chris Wood has been one of the Wood Brothers. I don't know if you may not know this. He has, um, you know, at Rhythm and Roots, it was the Wood Brothers, the Oliver Woods trio, not the Wood Brothers. But the bass, his bass playing brother, Chris, Chris and Oliver Brothers Woods, has been farming in British Columbia. He has a produce and flower farm. You can follow him on Twitter. Cool yeah. is that? Yeah, BC. Yeah, I love those little. I know notes. he kind of disappeared, and I started searching. I wonder where Chris went. He also plays with the jazz group Modesky Martin and Wood. Oh, how cool! So, but anyway, yeah, that's kind of neat. So, there's a connection to music and produce farming. We went and saw um, Mighty Poplar here recently. Have you heard of them? Yes, I've heard of them. Oh my goodness! Just some good down home bluegrass. Like, yeah, feeds the soul. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so we'll reel it back in a little bit. Uh, we talked a little bit about practicing good conservation tips when you visit Northeast Tennessee public lands and our state parks this season and beyond. Um, any resources you can share with the listeners about those volunteer opportunities, whether through Rocky Fork State Park website or any recommendations there? Sure. Well, there's you know there are always opportunities. Um, go on the state parks website, tnstateparks.com. I hope I'm saying that right. State Parks may fire me if I'm not. Um, and then if you'll search friends friends groups of state parks, like okay. I say, they don't all have them, but a lot do. And they're, get involved with one of those. Okay. Um, you know, again, going back to Rocky Fork, we were actually able to assist with, we raised enough funds to assist with the purchase of a little additional land um, that was added to Rocky Fork State Park. So there's opportunities for just donations or to go out there and, and you know, weed eat, cut down trees or whatever. Not cut down trees, but cut down small trees. Mm -hmm. You have to be a sawyer to cut down big trees. But there are tons of opportunities. So go to the State Park's website. You can research friends groups. Um, Appalachian Highlands Conservancy has volunteer opportunities. You know, they take care of the balls, I think, at uh, Rome Mountain. Awesome. And they have, you know, um, they have volunteer days up there when a group of people go and clear out small vegetation and stuff up there. So there's just stuff like that. It's, it's just tons of opportunities if you want to get out there and do it. Awesome. So be, be sure to check out those resources. And uh, just remember when visiting that anything from a picking up your trash to packing in what you pack out can make all the big difference. Um, Mr. Lester, I appreciate all you do for the community and for educating our youth on uh, good conservation practices and volunteerism. Well, thank you. And beyond. I think it's important. Absolutely. So. Um, and to our listeners, uh, you can check out more about Mr. Lester and other leaders for A Litter Free Tennessee on northeasttennessee.org. And for upcoming events and happenings in Northeast Tennessee, be sure to follow us on all the socials and check out that website again at northeasttennessee.org where there is more up here to do, see, and be when you meet me in Tennessee. Thanks for tuning in.